Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this night. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We just uh, also continue to agree in prayer for David and Leah to be healed. Uh, they, I know, wanted to be here to lead worship, but uh, Lord, just with this sickness, God, they need rest, and so we just pray you'd release rest and healing upon them. I also want to add in my friend Rob. Uh, Rob has been sick these last few days, and just ask that you'd touch him in the mighty name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear what you would say to us tonight. Lord, we're going to be looking at Peter's life and your patience with him and with us as you mature us through our life, God. And so I'm asking that you'd illuminate truth to our hearts, Lord, and just open our hearts to receive what you would speak to us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to continue in our studies of the book of Acts series. We've done this for maybe eight or nine weeks. Maybe it's ten at this point. Uh, and we're just looking at different passages throughout the book of Acts. And actually, our school of prayer theme is also related to the book of Acts. So there's a kind of a lot of overlap. But tonight, as we look into the life of Peter, there's a specific issue of prejudice that the Lord highlights, and I want to talk about that tonight. Uh, we talked about Peter and his failure and his restoration two weeks ago, and then we went to Paul, but we're going back to Peter to kind of narrow in, or zero in, I think is the better word to say, on this one issue um, that was really important uh, back then and today, um, but before we go into the, the nitty-gritty nitty of that, I want to start by looking at the patience that Jesus has toward us because there's, there's so much he wants to do throughout our life. And many of us think, you know, well, you know, he wants me to be like Jesus and he wants to change all these issues. So he's probably working on a hundred different things right now. And we can sometimes get almost weighed down with the thought that, like, I need to be more holy and more mature, you know, instantly. And there's actually a real process that we go through, and he's really patient during that process. So I want to look at that first, and then we'll get into one of the things that the Lord really touched on in the life of Peter that's very instructive for us. Um, let me just go to the introduction real quick. I won't go word for word through these. I probably won't even touch on everything. But uh, the reason I do notes is just so you kind of have the gist of what I'm saying. And if you want to do further study, there's always tons of verses that you can do uh, on your own time. And uh, for those that are on Facebook, these notes are always on the website while I'm teaching. So if you go out to our website, teachings tab, you can follow along with us. Uh, but in the introduction, I put, this subject's a little uncomfortable. 
You know, when you talk about prejudice, it's like, ooh, that's a tough word. Like, you know, that's not something that we kind of wake up in the morning and go, yeah, Holy Spirit, talk to me about my prejudices or my biases. Like, that's just not something that we naturally want to hear. But it's an important issue. And we're going to talk kind of more specifically about that. But it's one of those things where prejudice can be almost imperceptible in our heart. It's uh, one of those blind spots that throughout our life, the Lord eventually wants to address. And, and, and it could be a number of things. It could be a racial prejudice. It could be uh, related to social status or economic status, you know, the rich or the poor. And, you know, uh, someone with less means might go, oh, the rich people. And, you know, the rich person might go, oh, poor people, you know. And there, there's that division there that's from prejudice. Um, there's some people that are kind of down on certain church denominations or political affiliation. Ah, oh, you Democrats. Ah, oh, you conservatives and Republicans. And there's this constant back and forth there. There can be gender prejudices. You know, a man might say, ah, oh, women. Or, you know, a woman might say, oh, men. You know, and they're that, there's so many of these. I mean, it's like wherever there is an opposite of something, there's that place on the inside that we can kind of go, those people. And the Holy Spirit wants to put his finger on some of those. And, and not necessarily the day we get saved or, you know, sometimes not even a year later, but eventually whatever that group is or that type of person where we kind of just go, that person. You know, many today, you know, if you're conservative, you'd be like, liberals. And the Holy Spirit's go, wait a second, they're your neighbor. You're, you're to love them. Don't just totally take out a whole block of people and just cut them off. Like, we're Christian. We can't just cut off all kinds of segments of society and just go, oh, just me and my people. And so this is important. But when I say prejudice, you know, you might have something in your mind kind of go off. But it's, it's a big subject. It's more than just, you know, racial or socioeconomic. It's many issues. Again, there are Christians that will, you know, be like, well, I can't believe that church down the road. And there's a prejudice toward that church down the road. And it's like, we're both Christians. Those two, they both love Jesus. So we, it's a hurdle we have to overcome is what I'm trying to say. And we're not going to dissect every kind because there's hundreds But my point in this introduction is that there are so many ways the enemy tries to sow discord through these kind of internal biases or prejudices. Tries to get us to cut ourselves off from that theological perspective or those people in that country or uh, over in that city or, you know, down the street. They don't believe what we believe. And so he wants to get at that. Uh, the enemy is always trying to create that division. The Lord says, no, I want to bring you people together and I want you to love those people. So let's just go down to uh, number two on the notes. Before we really hit this area right on the nose, I want to talk about the importance of understanding the, the process of maturity. Because sometimes Christians are unclear about this. 
One of the most fundamental truths of being a Christian is Jesus is trying to mature me and you (laughs) for the rest of our life. It's an unending thing. We don't graduate from this ever. From the day you get saved, he is working in your life by the Holy Spirit to grow you and me up into him, into Christ-likeness. And so to not know he's doing that leaves us confused. Like, why was that hard? And why was that person mean to me? There's all opportunities to mature. And so number one, we have to understand he is seeking to mature us. He's seeking to make us more like Christ every day, every week, in every season of life. And here's the, just the, the message in a nutshell real quick. In every little situation where we have an opportunity to be like Jesus or not be like Jesus, when we choose to be like Jesus, we grow up a little bit. So when I have an opportunity to be patient and I'm patient, I become a little more like Jesus. And when I'm not, I kind of take a step back. And most of our life is the two steps forward, one back, three forward, four back, seven forward, one. And we just kind of do this. And over time, the, the goal is that we're like Jesus, picture him like way up here. We're kind of like the stock market. We're hopefully kind of closer to him eventually. You know, we have our good years and bad years and good seasons, and, but we're, we're kind of good. Uh, you know, we're, the goal is over 10, 20, 30, 40 years, we're trending toward Christ-likeness. So don't measure yourself every day or every week. Give yourself grace when it's a hard year. Believe for a great two, three years after that. But it's important to know that he's maturing us, but equally important is his heart in it. Because many Christians that know, yeah, God's working on me, sometimes don't know his heart. And so this is huge. So number one, the two important truths to understand related to spiritual maturity, he is trying to grow us up, but the way he does it is with incredible patience. There is no one even close to as patient as Jesus Christ. I mean, there's just, it's mind-blowing. I mean, imagine this holy God creates the universe and his very nature, the person who did everything, like made the sun, hung stars there, planets, universes, galaxies, and that person, his, his, he's loving and he's patient. You know, we, we learn in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. At the very core of who God is, he's just this absolutely massive, powerful being filled with love that is expressed patiently. And so when you mess up and I mess up, he's not like, there he is again. Angels, throw a lightning bolt. Get his attention. He was impatient. I praise God he doesn't throw lightning bolts every time I'm impatient because I'd get about 12 an hour, you know. But he's so patient, we, we got to wrap our minds as, as we talk about the subject of maturity, we always have to be thinking, he's so patient with me. Maybe you're here tonight in this room or on Facebook and you've never thought that. You've never thought about the patience of God toward you specifically. I want you to begin to create a narrative of how tender he is toward you and how patient he is even in your worst season of life. You know, we looked at Peter two weeks ago 
he blew it. I mean, he, you know, he was the guy super zealous. No matter if everybody gives up, I won't give up. If everybody gives in, I won't give in. And Jesus says, look, I already know what's going to happen. You're going to deny me three times. No, I won't. I'm the dedicated one. I'm seriously the awesome one. You're going to deny me. And so it happens. Peter weeps bitterly. He quits. He goes back to fishing. And we have that beautiful story in John 21 where the Lord's on the shore. Put the net on the other side of the boat. Who are you telling me how to fish? You know, Peter wasn't catching anything. Nothing's going good in life. He just quit, you know, all that. It's the Lord. The Lord gives him the catch of his lifetime. They realize it's him. He comes into the shore. That's when he has the talk with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. I know I'm weak and I'm broken. I didn't know that, but now I know that, but I love you. And Jesus is just basically like, I just wanted you to know that you love me. Because I know you love me. Even though it's weak, it's real. And so we looked at Peter had so many flaws, and yet Jesus is clearly committed to not giving up on Peter. And he's equally, he's just like that with us. We think we've blown it to beyond it, it can't be repaired. And the Lord was like, I was setting that whole thing up just to teach you a lesson so you could be a great leader. Like, it's still on. If you're in, I'm in. And so sometimes in our worst moments, we think, well, the Lord definitely can't use me anymore. And the Lord, Lord's like, I'm, I'm unsurprised by everything. I knew this was going to happen. So maybe you're thinking of that thing in your life. It didn't surprise him. He knew what he was getting into. He knew how weak we were. And he, he, he just says, keep going. I'm with you still. And so he's patient. Love is patient. It says in Romans 15, 5, that God is the God of patience. There's just his essence. It's his nature. Oh, Zeke's up to no good down there. Uh Oh. It's the terrific twos. Now, here's the thing. The more we discover how patient... What's up, Andre? Good to see you, man. The more we discover the patience of Jesus toward us as we develop, we become patient with ourselves. We're not so down on ourselves every time we make a mistake. And we're not down on others when they make a mistake. We begin to orient our mind to God's patient with me, I'm patient with me, and then I'll be patient with others. And so this is huge. I think this is something I need probably more than all of you as I'm preaching to myself. But this is a big one. When we view God as not impatient but very patient toward us, it changes how we treat ourselves and other people. They begin to see love through us. So this is huge. We, we have to, if we want to mature, because maturity takes so much time, we have to understand he's patient with us even when we fail big time. Because Peter failed big time. I mean, if Peter lived in the church today and we're like, wait, you're supposed to be an apostle. You can't deny the Lord and then still be an apostle. You know, I said two weeks ago, it was like if Billy Graham, like when he was around, he's with the Lord now. But if he was having a crusade and Billy Graham said, I deny the Lord, we'd be shocked. What? Billy Graham? No, you can't do that. You know, it was that it was that crazy. I mean, Peter denied Christ. He's supposed to be this apostle. But Jesus was not phased at all. He said, I know you went through that rough patch, but I'm restoring you. You're, you're not out. 
And so we have to have that heart. Jesus is so patient. And by the way, Peter was like a teenager. He was very young. All the apostles were in their late teens, early 20s when he called them. And so this wasn't like a 50-year-old seasoned, mature pastor. These were kids. And so the Lord has such tenderness with everybody, but especially young believers. You know, when we're 18, 19, 20, and we're like, I'm going to be all in, and we have no idea what we're talking about. We have no idea what's even going to happen. We don't know how hard life gets. We don't know anything. And the Lord just smiles. Oh, you you guys are going to be great, but you're going to go through stuff, and I'm going to show you my patience, and it's going to make you better. So eventually we have to learn that. So now the, the, I've established that patience is key to overcoming. Uh, um, this is the bullet under number two here. So Roman numeral two, uh, number two, the patience of Christ is key to overcoming spiritual malcontent. If we don't know that, that Jesus is patient toward us, we can run the risk of having this like self-loathing because we're like, well, I should be so much further than I am, and I'm not. And so, ooh, I, I don't like where I'm at. And you can have this inner dialogue of discontent, malcontent. Or it can, at times, it can, be, it can like full, become that full-blown self, self-hatred. Where it's like we, instead of knowing how loved we are, we begin to hate ourselves. And that's a place where it's difficult to progress spiritually if we hate ourselves. Because God so deeply loves us, and if we're constantly at war with that, it's just a, it's emotionally taxing. And so just understand, it's so critical to know that the Lord is, is looking at us going, I know I'm calling you to mature, but it's over a lifetime. And I understand there's going to be many seasons where you're growing, a season where you'll take a step back, and then you'll grow some more because you'll learn from it, and then you'll take a step back, and then I'll restore you. And so we, we must view ourselves and other people through God's lens, which is he's looking at the full 70, 80, 90 year story if we're a Christian that long. And he's saying, I'm going to be patient over decades. And, and so don't measure yourself over here because you had a bad day or over here you had a bad month. You know, I'm growing you gradually. And so just know that I, I love the whole process just, just as we parents enjoy our kids growing up. And, you know, we're not, I mean, we get frustrated at times for sure, but we just, we're, we just love them. We, we love to see how they're growing. There's so much that I could say about those two things, but I just, for the sake of time, just want to touch on the fact that Jesus is trying to mature us, and he's so patient in doing that. I can't emphasize that enough. Now, the thing with maturity, it's like physical growth. We don't see ourselves grow when we're a kid. I just thought of this, but did anybody when they were younger, they had the little like door frame measurement when like you were a kid and like mom drew a little line on the door frame and then the next year you're like, oh my gosh, I grew. Anybody have that? Okay, Andre, you know what I'm talking about? So we had this door frame at our house where there was just like, here was Derek when he was, you know, 10 and then Derek up here, 12, you know, they're, they're all marked and all the brothers and sisters, you know, you could see because you can't see yourself growing, you know, but over time you're like, well, I actually grew an inch. It's the same way spiritually. You know, we don't see ourselves like way more mature tomorrow. It's just, it's over the process of time. It's like, wow, yeah, I, I used to truly struggle with that. Now, I'm, now I experience freedom over here. And, and it's, you can't get freedom from like lit, literally everything at once. And so he focuses on this here. And then a couple years later, he'll focus on this main issue and on and on. So, 
So maybe you're, you're getting victory in one area, but not this area. Trust God for that area. He'll grow you there. Just it'll take time. Amen. I forgot to touch on this. Uh, there's a couple of verses here. So Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love will grow up in all things into him. These are just a few verses on maturity. First uh, Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. When I say maturity, you know, some people say, well, we got to get discipled or we got to become sanctified. These are all synonymous concepts. The idea is we're, we're to grow over time. And so that's the idea of sanctification is our maturity, our, our learning to grow. Um, Jesus told his disciples, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So there's this idea that if we follow him, he's, he's going to make us into something. He's going to change us into something. Um, Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, or the woman caught in the act of adultery, I don't condemn you, go sin no more. So there was the covering with compassion and the patience, yet clearly a call to overcome that area. Even Jesus had to grow. This is so under-talked about. Luke 2.40, Luke says, uh, the child grew in wisdom and favor with others. Did you know that Jesus just didn't come out of the womb speaking five languages and, you know, had just all the deep mysteries figured out? These are things he learned as a little boy. He learned these as a child. Now, he's fully God, fully man, both at the same time. We're talking about very God of very God, just like the creeds say. So Jesus is divine, but he's also human. So there's human processes. When he came out of the womb, he, he said, goo goo gaga, like all of us. And yet there's God. I mean, it's just incredible to think, but he had to grow in wisdom as he obeyed. He matured. And so that's just, if even Jesus had to grow, we're going to have to grow too. Now let's flip over to Acts 10. This is, I don't have it on the notes, but if you have your Bible or your Bible app, let's go over to Acts 10, because right now we're going to look at Peter for a moment. Acts chapter 10. I just wanted to touch on how Jesus is so patient with us. He doesn't try to deal with every issue at once. He spreads them out. So in Peter's life, you know, think of Peter in his earliest, you know, Peter's the guy that tried to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, guys, I'm going to be going to the cross. No, no, you're not. You know, Jesus or uh, Peter was always that outspoken guy. He put his foot in his mouth almost as much as I do. And, you know, he, he rebukes Jesus. He says, no, Jesus, and, you know, I don't like that plan. So he's that guy, and then he's the one. He denies Christ. There's so many things he did wrong. But Jesus was so patient with him. But there was like a steady, in, you could see in his life, there was things he was dealing with methodically. It becomes clear that the issue of Peter failing and being restored was of utmost importance because that's the one Jesus focused on. But later on in Peter's life, he touches on this area of prejudice. Now today, we'd say, well, that's pretty important. Why wouldn't you deal with that? The, the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't even bring this up until after the revival. And so Peter's, you know, growing, talking to the Lord personally. This doesn't even come up until Jesus is gone and the Spirit's poured out. And so we're, we're well into the book of Acts. Peter has denied the Lord. He's been restored. He's been, 
you know, called to leadership. He's, he was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now he's giving leadership to ascend. He's one of the top leaders of the entire move of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes in in Acts 10. Begins to put his finger on an area. This is how he does it. And I'm just going to read Acts 10 verse 9. This is like the most relatable Bible verse in the entire Bible. Acts 10 verse 9. Peter goes to have a time of prayer at about noon. It's just lunchtime. And it says he gets hungry. I just love that. It's like, that's my guy. You know, it's like the one verse I can relate to in the whole Bible. He's like, I really want to be praying, but I'm so hungry. So that's verse 9 and 10. You can read it there. As they're preparing lunch and he's, you know, supposed to be praying, it just goes to show you that's how prayer feels. Prayer doesn't feel ultra mystical. It's like you, okay, it's my prayer time, but I'm really hungry. I hope they're making food. Oh, yeah, I'm praying. That's what prayer actually feels like. And in that, this, he begins to have a supernatural encounter with the Lord. And so, you know, sometimes we think we have to you know, have the right music and get the fog machine going and the lights, and then God can show up. No, this is just hot, Middle Eastern, you know, I'm hungry, tired, it's lunchtime, and boom, here comes this vision experience. And what happens is Peter says a sheet comes down out of the sky, out of heaven, bound at four corners, and in the picture is all these animals, four-footed animals, bugs, birds, all kinds. It's just this weird, and he's like, what is, what? And out of that experience, that's verse 12, a voice comes to him and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. That's the voice of the Lord. And so rise is an important word. Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm raising you up, but there's an issue. I'm calling you to arise higher. And it's important that you get it because others will get it if you do. So he says, rise, Peter. And this kill and eat has specifically to do with his understanding of the law. He had never eaten the wrong kinds of food because a, a, a devout Jew would not. And he would not interact with the wrong kinds of people because Jews did not have relationships with Gentiles. So this experience, although it involved dietary restrictions, is mostly about his involvement with the Gentile community. And I'm just going to touch on this. I'm not going to go into a whole teaching on Jew-Gentile relations. But in this culture, Jews had no relationship with Gentiles because they thought they were dirty. That's how it was. And it actually is still, to this day, Orthodox Jews believe the same thing. I mean, they, they believe what Peter believed. And so they view anybody that's not Jewish, you are unclean and we can't even relate to you. You are dirty to us. I mean, and talk about serious prejudice. So God's trying to get the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And so he's like, I have to t- talk to Peter. So he gives him this vision and the Lord, you know, gives him this vision. He says, rise, Peter, Killy. And then he says in verse 15, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. A few verses later, Peter says, I was wondering what this meant. I was thinking about the meaning. And that's when the story of Cornelius and his servants they show up 
And they're Gentiles. They're, he, Cornelius is a Roman soldier, and there's a whole story woven together. Not going to go through the whole thing, but they show up because an angel directed them. It's a cool story. They meet up together, and then Peter says this in verse 28. He says, you know... So this is a Jew, Peter, talking to Cornelius and Gentiles. Cornelius is in the military. I mean, he's Roman. I mean, he's, he's rough and tumble. I mean, this guy's he's an, he's an army dude. And he's like, an angel told me to talk to you, Peter. What do I do? And so they have the meeting. Peter says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation. Then he says this, but God has just shown me through this thing, I should not call any man common or unclean. That seems like completely obvious to me and you, but that was really new back then. That was really new that the gospel was not just for Jews, but for Jews and Gentiles. And it, it amazes me that that was, like they had to start where they were at, and we have to start where we're at. We may have thoughts in our head, well, surely that group is excluded. No, they're not. <laughs> there is nobody on planet Earth that, sh- that is excluded from the gospel or that we shouldn't be a witness to or that we shouldn't love. And so I know what the media is talking about, but that's not what heaven's talking about. You know, we kind of create our little divisions, but the Lord says there is, there is no if if they're a person, I love them and I want them to know Jesus. And if, if they're your brother or your sister in Christ, I want you to love them, whether they believe this or that. And so Peter got the wrecking ball. He, in fact, what I find humorous in this story is that Peter, in this, when the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat, he does the classic Peter. He says, no, no, <laughs> like the guy that always said no to Jesus. No, I've never done that. I've never eaten anything unclean. Because, you know, according to the law of Moses, there were some foods you could eat and some you couldn't, and Peter was always obedient to that. There was a shift in his understanding that needed to take place. Okay, so I've just wanted to touch on that. I would encourage you, read the entire story, because then he goes and he has another meeting and he tells all the other leaders, like, this thing happened, and then Cornelius and the guys and the Holy Spirit fell, and the Gentiles are in. And then they, then they have a major theological breakthrough. What was actually happening here is Jesus had an appointed time to deal with a major flaw in Peter. Again, he didn't talk about this with Peter in the Gospels. In fact, Jesus hinted at the idea of prejudice a couple times, but he never really hit it hard until now, which kind of goes to tell you there are some things he's like, they need the Holy Spirit first before they can handle this one. You know, he did the teaching on the woman at the well. Uh, I'm sorry, not the woman at the well. The, I keep saying her. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Good Samaritan story, that was a, a teaching actually addressing prejudice because it was the, the Samaritan, the non-Jew, who helped the person when the Jews wouldn't. And so that was actually one of the layers of the meaning of that was like, and so he was touching on it here and there. And the woman at the well was a Samaritan. And so that, that's where that keeps coming up. That finally made sense. Thank you for your patience. And so there was, there was hints, you know, that 
Jew-Gentile relations were being mended, but this is where he really, Peter, you got to get this, because if you get it, the other leaders will get it, and then church history forward will get. This is not something that's just for the Jewish people. This is something for the world. The, the message that Jesus is the Son of God, and he lived and died and has been resurrected and appeared to many witnesses and is in heaven now and is going to come again soon, that gospel message that will save the soul of anybody who would believe, that's not just for Israel, that's not just for the Jewish people, that's 8 billion people on the world today need that message, or whatever the number is right now, it's somewhere around there. That is to go worldwide, it is not exclusive. And so he puts the the finger on Peter's heart. Whenever the Lord puts his finger on an issue, he's going to be patient with you. He knows you'll struggle with it, but I want you to understand, let him work in your life. And, and I'm, I'm bringing up this specific issue, issue of prejudice because I think it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit's saying, this is something I'm highlighting in this time. I want my people to begin to wrestle with any of those inner prejudices. Again, only the Holy Spirit can, you know, whatever's going on inside of your heart, the Holy Spirit can surface that. But it's different for everybody. Again, the poor person might say, oh, rich people are horrible. Or the rich person might say, oh, poor people are, you know, it's just whatever you are in life, that other side, you know, I'm on social media as much as I can be to stay spiritually healthy. (laughs) But you just see constant this side against that side. And they're believers. And the Lord would say, it shouldn't be like that. It it really shouldn't. They're they're all my friends. I I love them all. Anyway, he's going to help us grow in that. And so as we follow Jesus, this is number four, he wants to help us overcome those thoughts of contempt, those emotions that are negative toward fill in the blank, whoever that person is for us. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to get in a group, and we're, you know, we do this every time, and we're going to just pray for many, anything, but I want us to pray specifically, God, if there is something going on that you want to get at, if you want me to view a certain type of person, you know, with your heart, help, help me, help me. He wants to work that into us and carry it to completion in the most fruitful way, in the best timing. Some of us in this room, he may not really address it, you know, in earnest tonight, but it may be something that over the years he'll unfold this in your life where you, it kind of makes more sense in time. I mean, all of us, we're all in different places. You know, the things that I struggled with when I was 20, it's not that I don't struggle, it's just that there's different emphasis. There's things I've gotten victory in and other things where he's like, okay, now I'm putting my finger on this issue. I love the prayer in 2 Thessalonians 3.5. The prayer in 2 Thessalonians 3.5. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. I love that. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. It's like he wants us to grow in love and he's patient with us 
And one other thing I wanted to mention, he's not trying to change 100 areas of our life tonight or tomorrow. Some people think, well, the Lord's dealing with me. I got all this stuff going on. I, he's not, you know, there could be people that are mad at us for like five or six things, but the Lord really, how he leads is he puts, puts his finger on the one issue, you know, like with Peter and the one, you know, before he went to heaven, Jesus said, I want you to understand this issue of failure and restoration really good. And then a year or two later, however long it was, or later, it might not have been that long, want this area of prejudice to get taken care of. And then a few years later, it was other. So it's not a hundred issues. It's just, there's usually one main one that he's working on now. And if we get that one kind of like, Lord, I don't even know how to get breakthrough, I'm, but I'm open to it. If he can just get us there, a hundred issues underneath that begin to get resolved. So if we're, if we're I'm just going to make something up. If we just have this horrifying, raging temper, if he gets that, then there's a dozen things under it that get fixed. So he's not trying to tr- fix 12, you know, things. He's like, you get this main thing. You work on that. Trust me, underneath it, a lot of, get, a lot of stuff gets fixed. And then over time, I'm going to put my emphasis over here. And you get that in obedience. You start saying yes consistently. Underneath that, a lot of stuff gets resolved. But please don't, un- don't think of Jesus as nitpicking you constantly. I can nitpick. That's no fun for anybody. You know, when you're constantly like, do this, do that, you know, like we, we do that, but Jesus doesn't do that. Thank, thank God. He just, he's like, Derek, this issue, get this under control. You get that, then there's a hundred other things that are going to start to realign. And that's how he leads us. He's this patient shepherd. <clears throat> you know, first few years, this. You know, when I was just saved, I mean, I, I didn't know anything. And so he's just kind of like, I love you, Derek. Just spend time with me. That's all you need to do. A few years, okay, I kind of did that. All right, now forgive a few people. Okay. And then, you know, be humble. <laughs> a couple years later, you know, and it's, there's major themes throughout our life. If you connect to that and know he's patient with you, then you, you'll grow so much over time. So don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. Give others grace. And over time, the goal is before we step into glory, you know, we started way down here in immaturity and throughout our 30, 50, 40, 50, 60, 70 year journey, we're way more like him up here. I've got people that say to me, like before they knew me, like they see me doing house of prayer and I'll tell them stories about what I used to be like when I wasn't saved. I'm like, I can't even believe it. I'm like, I can you only see the 20 years of I've tried to obey, but way back here, I, you know, and I don't even really notice I'm growing, but other people will say, whoa, whoa, I never would have thought you were like that, but I was. And so as we obey, people notice, people see Christ. And, uh, and then eventually we want to hear that well done. I'm going to end right there. You've been patient. I think I've gone longer than I wanted to. Did I go too long, Curtis? Okay, part two. No, (laughs) just kidding. Let me pray, and then we're going to take a little bit of time to pray together. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible patience. Lord, I thank you for those here tonight that were patient with me as as I spoke this message. 
And we thank you tonight. You're not nitpicking us. You're not impatient. Lord, the, the scriptures say that you're slow to anger, rich in love, abounding in loving kindness, those things. Lord, let us remember that tonight, that you're growing us, but you're growing us with such a patient heart. And we just say thank you for that, Lord, and I pray for this specific issue of prejudice, Lord, any area of our life where we're not, or any area of our heart where we're just kind of like, ooh, those people. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to love them, to be like Christ to them, and to have so much freedom in this area that we begin to impact diverse groups we begin to impact people we never thought we could impact because we've allowed you to work on our heart. Just like you touched Peter and said, I want you to associate with Gentiles and minister to them because I love them. Help us to be open to ministering to any type of person. Let, let there be no one in, in, our, in our heart where we say, well, I can't do that or that person. Help us tonight. In the name of Jesus Amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.